0: Hold on, I've just realised that I probably should learn how to pronounce the name of the document I'm going to be talking oh, about. Oh yes, good luck.
1: Hold on. <laughs> Are you recording this, by the way? <laughs> I want at least five takes.
0: Philogilos. Philogilos. Like filo
1: pastry.
2: Philogilos.
1: There you go. That's a teaser for the audience. Easy. As, 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 to be fair, that Philogilos. was disappointing. You did that disappointingly well. <laughs> Philogilos. <Philogy-pop-a-do-ba-doos. laughs> A a <laughs> did you did you
0: hear the Italian lady in the background teaching me? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I googled how to pronounce philogelos and it came up with philogelos. Surely that should be a Greek lady. Well, yeah, maybe it was. A... So, yeah, that philogelos. So I always like to get that practised, as you can tell from previous episodes. <laughs> right, should we do an episode? Let's do this. Hello, welcome. We well... have done a countdown for a while, have we? Well, we Sorry, haven't done a countdown. <laughs> I completely ruined
1: that. Sorry, that was immaculate timing. Should we, should we do a countdown for all time's sake?
0: Yeah, why not? Let's let's go old school.
1: Cue music. Three, Three two, two, one. one. Hello and welcome hey. to That Was Genius, the little history podcast in which Tom, who's that man in New Zealand, hello, and Sam, this man in the UK, discuss history oh. topics. Hello, I am Sam. <laughs> I'm quite really oh, good-looking, <laughs> and everybody likes me. Discuss history I'm topics. So
2: charismatic, <laughs> so brave, <laughs> so humble,
1: <laughs> and so much more. <laughs> anyway, yes. Hello, and welcome to That Was Genius, the little history <laughs> podcast, in which. Tom and I discuss topics on a theme each week The topic is decided a week in advance But everything else is a surprise And following on from last week's laugh fest That was genocide The topic this week is quite literally <laughs> laughter Just to try and balance things out yeah, <laughs> The yin to genocide's yang <laughs>
0: Yeah, we have made life easy for ourselves this week Because if we can't deliver something amusing To listeners this week Then
1: what is the point? <laughs> Yeah, although I very nearly did something absolutely horrendous and then decided, no, this that's awful, don't do that. It's a tragic and horrible tale. Oh, God, what's that then? It's called Smiling Death Syndrome. and Smiling
0: Death Syndrome? Yeah,
1: and it's a disease that ravaged, I think it was Papua New Guinea, but I might be getting that wrong. There was a tribe in Papua New Guinea that had a disease which basically caused them to laugh hysterically and uncontrollably and eventually... Their face would lock into a smile and they would die. And it was a form of CJD, mad cow disease, that they Ooh. were getting through their funerary rites of eating the brains of the dead. So they're a well, cannibalistic tribe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and Don't eat the brains, <laughs> eat dead, then. It's
1: no, not rocket well, science. Well, that's the thing. When Australia, who who managed this particular territory said don't do this anymore and they stopped doing it basically the disease disappeared but yeah horrible i decided to do something much more fun because i (laughs) because why would you do that in a topic about laughter
0: it's horrible yeah what exactly why would you yeah when given the opportunity to do something stupid and funny why would you yeah do something horrendous and depressing
1: so i corrected myself and found something i'm going to put out there my story this week is absolutely hilarious (laughs) fantastic
0: well i i started with hilarity i When I started pondering where I would go with this, I was inspired by that incident a couple of years ago when Prince Charles and Camilla Parker Bowles couldn't stop themselves sniggering at a performance of Inuit throat singing on a visit to Canada. (laughs) Did you see that? I remember that, yes. (laughs) Um, And so I, I wanted to research inappropriate laughter in history. And within seconds, I came across something a little bit different which is what I'm going to discuss today. Very, very easy bit of research this week. I stumbled across the world's oldest joke book almost immediately.
1: Good. I I suspect we've told a few jokes from that over the course of this podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You say that and it is remarkably modern with just a very classical twist to all of the jokes. I think you'll enjoy it. (laughs)
1: I say, I say, I say, Oedipus' mum's so fat. <laughs>
0: it's not far off. And the source, the source does all the joking. I don't have to think up anything funny. I've just, all I've had to do is sift through 12,000 words, which is quite a lot of, quite of a bad lot of jokes. jokes, and pick out the good ones. That's all <laughs> I've had to do this week. Your
1: poor wife.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of this one?
1: Fantastic. Well, I'm hoping for some uh, some good Victorian translations and Victorian accents of rude jokes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, there is a little bit of that. With some moustache twiddling. Well, likewise, my story is pretty much written itself. I've had to do very, very little this week. It's just a fun, silly story. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's set this
0: up nicely, is not it? Hasn't and it have just? haven't got anything incredibly amusing to flip.
1: Do you know what, Tom? Yes, we have. Yes, we have. I've got
0: sellotape. That's, uh, that's... No, not really very funny. Hold it? on. I've got a mouse that stopped working, and that's not the animal. That's the computer <laughs> accessory.
1: Although, that is quite a funny way to describe a dead mouse. Hang on. Do you know what I have in front of me, Tom? The funniest thing you'll see this week, I've got a That Was Genius business card. <laughs> nice! Where did there's you there's nothing funnier created? than us. So I went to a uh, This Is The Kind Of Cool Guy I Am. Yeah, ladies, I went to a podcast convention a couple of months ago, and <laughs> and so I decided to have some cards printed off so that I could whore us out to other podcasts and potential sponsors and ting.
0: How many did you get rid of?
1: Um, quite. A, I think I got rid of about 100.
0: Did, were you just flicking them at people? Like, like I did a,
1: end up leaving some on tables, in bus stops.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, in telephone booths. The
1: cashier at the co-op when I bought my lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tucked in strippers, knickers, just yeah. anywhere, anywhere close <laughs> to hand. Here's a tip for you, love. <laughs> yeah. Would you like the side that says That Was Genius, the Rather Silly History Podcast? Or would you like the side that has the QR code that I'm really smart, so you can just scan it on your phone and it opens us up in your favourite app? That is awesome, Sam, because it's 2015, isn't it? Okay, let's go for the QR code. <laughs> because everyone uses QR code now. Oh man, I wonder how that <laughs> Brexit vote's gonna turn out. <laughs> Which side do you want? I had your a Q-
0: <laughs> I had a QR code put on the on my vehicle graphics on my car, and nobody has ever used it. Oh. Who's gonna Who's gonna take a photo of your passing car? When I'm parked up, someone might decide. Oh, I saw that chap making some fat woman sweat in the park, <laughs> shouting at her to do five more push-ups. I'm oh, right. getting yeah,
1: in that- touch with that guy. That's a sentence I'm glad ended the way it did. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Context is key. Right. <laughs> do you want the side with the slightly outdated QR code? I'll get to, I or do you want sorry. the side with our logo on it? I'll go, I'll go for the QR code. Excellent. Here we go. Flipping. Oh, I win, Tom. And you're going to go first. Boom. Well, I've kind of already introduced it, haven't I? I? I feel like
0: I should take a few steps back and just explain a little bit about Inuit throat singing. Because I did do a bit of research on it. <laughs> And apparently because if for people who haven't seen this, Prince Charles and Camilla Parker Bowles are doing the Royal Thing touring Canada and there's a performance of Inuit throat singing, and they just cannot stop themselves laughing because these two Inuit ladies are basically going
1: at each other. It is hilarious. <laughs> a bit like a fat woman in the park being told to do five more push-ups. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And, uh, yeah it is awkward when i'm training people and they start making noises that sound a little bit like sex <laughs> you we should probably you, stop
1: uh, asking them to do hip thrusts <laughs>
0: yeah, i know well i do glute i, have, bridge, a, I sorry. have a
1: glute bridges quote, i have unquote. a catalog
0: of group fitness class jokes sam and and that is one of them yeah hip thrusters are an excellent glute exercise for anyone listening who's interested in developing great glutes um but it you don't do it in a park with 12 people, because, yeah, it just becomes a bit of a call on me video. (laughs) There are variations you can do that are far
1: less sexual. Unfortunate, because it is such a good glute exercise. Tom, by the way, if you're a new listener, is a personal trainer. (laughs) Yes, yes. Again, context is everything.
0: (laughs) Inuit throat singing isn't supposed to be taken seriously, apparently. So that clip of them laughing is actually a little bit taken out of context. Because it's actually, and I didn't realise, I thought it was quite interesting... It's a competition between two Inuit ladies to see who can last the longest, keeping to a rhythm. And these contests usually end in a few minutes when either a lady can't keep up, or they make a mistake, or someone starts laughing. So it's kind of, <laughs> it, it's supposed to be quite lighthearted. Fair enough. Yeah. Think of it as being not too dissimilar to the noble Norman game, still practiced extensively in the English private school system, of biscuit de, de trompe. Oh no. As
2: soggy,
1: <laughs> soggy biscuits. So, I uh, hope you yeah, made that a... up. I hope that's not got a Norman origin.
0: <laughs> I, I don't think it has. <laughs> I think it has an English private school origin.
1: Um, you know, Joe, talking, talking about the Normans, I wasn't going to mention this, but you mentioned the Normans, so I am. There is a great, a great story that I was considering talking about as an honorable mention today, featuring Rollo, the uh, Viking slash yeah, yeah. Norman founder, and Charles the Simple. And uh, the Vikings and the French have been have been at it for a while, at war and things, and then Charles the Simple thought, oh, do you know what? What's a really good idea is I'll just give the Vikings some land, and I'll give them some land in northern France, and it'll be a great buffer, because then they'll protect yeah. me and we'll be friends. Do you know this story?
0: Yeah. Well, yes, it ends in the Norman Conquest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Backtracking a little. Um, <laughs> so it comes to the, the swearing of fealty, when, when Rollo swears fealty to... I'm pretty sure it was Charles the Simple. I don't have it in front of me. And... The priests and the bishops around say,
2: Hello, I'm Charles the Simple.
0: <laughs> and your name is... No,
1: no, no. We know how medieval namings work, Tom. He was a exactly. member of I'm Mensa. <laughs>
0: incredibly bright. Yes, exactly. Yes.
1: Well, he had a, he had this very good idea to give Rollo some land. And the, the priests and the bishops said, Look, you're swearing fealty to this guy. It would be a sign of your faith to him if you kiss his feet. And Rollo said, Fuck off. I'm not doing that. I'm a Viking warrior. But one of my men can do it. That's OK. So one of his lords came up and... And instead of kneeling down to kiss Charles the Simple's feet, he just picked up his leg, kissed him and flipped him over. <laughs> How very Viking. <laughs> yeah. Which apparently everyone including the king thought was hilarious. If I, and a wonderful if I was practical. Charles joke. A. Simple,
0: I'd be asking to, to, to try Rollo's toes. Because I reckon they <laughs> taste like caramel, a sort of chocolate covered in, with a caramel yeah. centre.
1: You wouldn't want to eat <laughs> the last one though, would you? No, you <laughs> You'd wouldn't. You'd give know, that to you someone would? you cared about. <laughs> Which is a very niche reference to an old advertising campaign. (laughs) Yes, everyone had a good laugh. At At the flipping of Charles the Simple.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The flipping of a mentally disabled king. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... As mentioned, I rapidly stumbled across something better than inappropriate laughter. What did you just drop? Sorry, that was my pen. I've, I, haven't ah. pencil, I haven't got a pen. I have got a clicky pen. I have a red pen that I've been using to highlight the best jokes in the oldest existing joke book known as the Philogilos. Excellent. It might be quite well known to listeners, the Philogilos. I think it's reasonably well known, but I couldn't resist okay, I, I've never it. heard of it. Well, well there. Yeah, and, and you're the most intelligent person <laughs> since Charles <the> Simple. <laughs> in this podcast. <laughs> yeah.
1: I
2: know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn you. God damn you. Got one over on me. <laughs>
0: so I couldn't resist discussing this book for two primary reasons. The first one is the jokes are basically very similar to 1970s stand-up, which is a, cra- a cracking right start. in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, It was a cracking start. Talking of 1970s comedy, one of the best translations you can get online is in a PDF document which includes commentary from Jim Bowen of Bullseye fame.
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's have a look at what the Athenians could have won. <laughs> yeah, Oh, let's have a look at what you could have
0: won. A selection of prosthetic limbs and broken umbrellas from Waterloo train station. Oh, <laughs> Take a look at your prize. It's a bullseye shopping spree at your local £1 shop. Splash out on over three items with your £4 voucher. No change given. (laughs) I would love you, Sam, please, uh, next week to, to put a link up to a wonderful video I found on YouTube. I'll send you the link of a really shit prize from the British... 1970s TV show based on darts called Bullseye and the prize is a shopping spree at a top high street clothing retailer (laughs) and it's just got shit 80s clothing and 80s models prancing around in these sort of waist high (laughs) jeans and sort of blazers with huge shoulders very amusing superb so yeah I do think our American listeners need to see that it's a bit of English culture (laughs) anyway carry on to the history bit So, the book is attributed to two chaps, Hierocles, Hierocles, and Philogreus, and their names translate roughly as Cannon and Ball, (laughs) (laughs) or Little and Large. Um, Ronnie and and Ronnie. (laughs) (laughs) And again, I was wanting to make this less 1980s, 1970s British TV, and I couldn't think of any outdated comedy duos from the States that really haven't stood the, t- the test of time very well and I'm sure there are some but maybe our listeners can, can let us know basically Cannon and Ball and Little and Large are fairly well known average comedy pairings from the 70s that really haven't dated very well the name Philogilos translates to love of laughter so that's its literal translation love, love, of, love laughter. of laughter it's from around the 4th century AD and is, is from the Roman Empire it was originally written in Greek um, it survives in a couple of manuscripts, that are the better part of a thousand years old, and there are a couple of translations as well. I've got a translation from 1919, so it has that sort of, <laughs> not, not quite Victorian uh, 1919, Edwardian I suppose that would be, wouldn't it? But it adds this sort of slightly archaic commentary, which is quite amusing. Excellent. That probably only adds to the <laughs> yes, joy of exactly. it. Yes, exactly. The majority of the jokes are aimed at what are called scholasticals, which School sounds kids. like a basically, yeah, based students. I mean, it's, Good. it's it sounds like a, a sort of sounds perfect. American franchise football team, doesn't it? The San Andreas sc- Scholasticos.
1: Scholasticos <laughs> sounds like a disability. Scholastic.
0: Well, that's not. Yeah, that links nicely into what I was going to say, Sam. Which is that the Scholasticos in this joke book are the butt of the majority of jokes. And it's the idea that these young men who spend too much time with their noses in books lose all common sense. That's all I'm going to say about it, Sam. I'm going to let the source do the rest of the talking. And as I've mentioned (laughs) It's
1: literally now 15 minutes of you reciting your favourite jokes.
0: Exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) I've had to sift through the bad translation from 1919, 12,000 words worth, the majority of the jokes in it being Crap but I have managed to find some good ones. So let me start. I've probably got about 10 good ones, Sam. I I narrowed it down to about... I I had about 20 on the shortlist and narrowed it down to about 10 to 15. That's very kind of you. Let me start with this one. Quote, a certain person meeting... I I should point out, in this translation, these scholasticos are called pedants, young males. A certain person meeting a pedant said, the slave you sold me died. Wait, right, hold on, there's a difficulty in the translation. Let me do that again.
1: <laughs> All right, I was wondering if that was the punchline or not. I'm going <laughs> to come on to those in a moment, the ones that just make no sense. I say, I say, I say, my slave's so dead. <laughs> is this just the dead parrot sketch? You sold me a dead slave. He's not dead, he's just sleeping. <laughs> You've jumped... Sam,
0: that is oh, remarkably...
1: S- that's that is remarkably
0: clever of you, because th- <laughs> this joke in particular is seen as a the original dead parrot joke. Yeah. A certain person meeting a pedant said The slave you sold me died By the jests of Heracles, gods, replied the other He never did such a thing when he was with me And that's the joke hey, hey. So it's basically, it is the, it's the same joke as the dead parrot sketch Here's <laughs> another joke This is number told 19 Told with expert
1: comic timing Looking at my wiggles, that was only a five second gap Between <laughs> joke and punchline To <laughs> <laughs> well, the way I was you tell them Tom out.
0: I told you it was a difficult translation Joke number <laughs> 19 A pedant, seeing a flock of sparrows perching in a tree, spread out his cloak and shook the tree as though the sparrows would fall. There you go. That's (laughs) kind of funny, isn't it?
1: God, I hope they get better.
0: (laughs) 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 Dong. (laughs) 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 Dong.
1: Ah! Ah! That went very Edgar Allan Poe. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it did, didn't it? Call number 20. Where two pedants after supper out of politeness escorted one another home in turn and so did not get any sleep.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do quite like that one.
0: It's not bad. See, Some of them are quite good. Uh, number 21. So there's a little cluster of half, half-decent ones here. A pedant desiring to sleep and not having a pillow ordered his servant to place a jar under his head. When the servant said that it was hard, he commanded him to stuff it with feathers. <laughs> <laughs> There's <goodie>. All right, <laughs> moving on uh, let's skip forward a little bit to two. number 56 this is good Ooh, a it classic a, a bald person a pedant and a bald-headed man and a barber were traveling together and pitching camp in a wild section they agreed that each one should stay awake for four hours and guard their possessions it fell to the barber to watch first Desiring to play a trick, he shaved the head of the sleeping pedant, and his watch being finished, he woke up the latter. The pedant, rubbing his head on awakening and finding himself bare, he said, What a worthless fellow is that barber. He has made the mistake and wakened the bald-headed man instead of myself.
2: Oh, Oh, dear. Uh. Good work.
1: I think you need to do this in a 70s English comedian voice. Oh, okay, okay, right, okay, the okay. next one I will. I will. Also, that was a classic Englishman-Irishman-Scotsman joke, wasn't it?
0: The, the, there's a lot of that, you know, the Athenian, the Spartan and the... <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say the Carolingian, but no, we know that's historically not true. Uh, uh, number 85. A peasant had moved into a new house. I wrote before the porch that had been cleaned, whoever throws filth here loses
1: it. ah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <my God. laughs>
2: <laughs> do that,
1: do, that, do oh. that one again. I, I I didn't quite pick up on that. Unless I just missed funny. it, it's not that funny. <laughs> it's,
0: no, it's just not very funny. A pedant um, okay. had moved into a new house and wrote before the porch that had been cleaned, quote, whoever throws filth here loses it. Obviously, thus encouraging people to throw their filth on his porch because people don't oh. want their filth.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah, good one that. You are going to have to tell some good jokes to make um. up for these, you know. <laughs> okay, we are, okay, we okay. are losing listeners okay. left, right and centre. Okay.
0: <laughs> the, the, the pub is, en- is emptying quite rapidly. Why did I let you go first? <laughs> Phew, tough audience, this is my best work. <laughs> okay, there were two cowardly pedants. One hid himself in a well and the other in a clump of reeds. When the soldiers let down a helmet to draw out water, one thinking a soldier was coming to entreaties. When the soldier said that if he had kept quiet he would have been overlooked, the one hidden in the reeds, calling out, said, Then pass me by, for I'm keeping silent. Hey. <laughs>
2: oh, oh, oh. oh, fuck me. Actually,
1: that reminds me of... I did some research into kind of funny newspaper articles. And in, I think it was the 1890s, there was a burglar in, I want to say, Oklahoma, who was caught sneaking around upstairs because the husband downstairs told his wife a joke. And apparently she didn't laugh, but the burglar upstairs found it hilarious <laughs> burst <laughs> out laughing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the only thing that would have made that better is if he, he was sneaking around someone's house at two in the morning and heard someone fart in bed. and <laughs> Started laughing hysterically.
1: There was another story actually of a similar vein of a guy only a couple of years ago. I think it was maybe two thousand and eight. Could be making it up. Who uh, was high on bath salts? The. Uh, formerly legal high, and broke into someone's house with the intention of burgling their house, started tripping balls, and instead got out all of their Christmas decorations and decorated their house for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Christmas. <laughs> when and where was this? This was a few years ago. I can't remember. It was somewhere in the US. I can't remember where. It was in a newspaper article I came across. <laughs> That's
0: balmy, isn't it? That's I've had a great old.
1: week's research.
0: <laughs> I did. Yeah, <laughs> 103... Yeah, well, I didn't because I've been sifting through this. <laughs>
1: no, no, I like that this is this is the
0: best. Jesus, I know there are some dreadful. Well, I'm going to do the dreadful stuff at the end. Okay, can't wait. Oh, okay. Here's a good one. Here's one of the ones that I even put an explanation mark next to because I thought, oh, that's quite funny. So he's moved on from scholasticos, pedants, and he's now having a go at random ethnic minorities in the Roman Empire. Hey, uh, classic
1: seventies <laughs> fun. <laughs> exactly.
0: A citizen of Abdera, having heard that onions and turnips caused wind, and being on a voyage when there was great sea, having filled a sack, he hung it from the stem of the boat. A man of Abdera was selling a dish without handles, brackets, ears. Being asked why it had no ears, he replied, Lest hearing that it was to be sold, it might run away. Ha hey. ha! That's good, isn't it? No, <laughs> Here's another good one. One hundred forty-one. So, I've probably told it's a about long ten old jokes. Book. <laughs> yeah, there are about one hundred and thirty-one that didn't make the cut. A witty helmsman asked, "What was raising the wind?" Replied, Bean, soup, and onions." Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Oh fuck me! All uh, right, right. Oh, here are some classics. Here, uh, oh, I've even written in the in the margin classics. <laughs> classics. Quote. A witty fellow being asked by a chattering barber, how shall I cut it? He replied in silence. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) A Cumean visiting a friend called him by name in front of the house. A companion saying, call out louder in order that he may hear. Forgetting the name which he knew, he shouted, louder.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's the equivalent of a dad joke, isn't it? That really These are is. All the equivalent of dad joke. <laughs> That's the equivalent of Dad I'm hungry, hi hungry, I'm Dad.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. This has been highlighted as one that made the cut. Oh, 178. Two Cummersons brought two dishes of dried figs. Each of the men secretly ate up the figs from the other's dish, and not from his own. When they had finished their business, each one turning to his own property found it empty. Taking hold of one another, they went to the judge, and the judge, hearing the case, ordered them to exchange excrements and to pay one another thereby.
1: (laughs) (laughs) At least the judge had a sense of humour.
0: Yeah, that raised a titter. Only a few left to go, Sam, you'll be pleased to know. This is is in the chapter headed about those with bad breath. This is worse than watching a Jim Davidson gig. (laughs) (laughs) Watching a Jim Davidson DVD. This chapter is called... About those with bad breath.
1: Finally something I can relate to.
0: (laughs) Joke two hundred and thirty three, which is why we do this podcast on other sides of the globe two hundred and thirty three. A person with bad breath meeting an acquaintance said hail. The other replied Fu Upon his asking, what did I say? The other answered You broke wind. (laughs) (laughs) The best bit about this is the translator's comment. The translation cannot convey the distinction made by the aspirate. I have endeavoured to indicate it in parentheses. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit of a pun. I think there are puns in this that don't translate well.
1: Uh, Here's
2: joke number...
0: (laughs) Well, thank you,
1: Edwardian literacist classicist, for uh, putting in parentheses what the joke could not explain.
0: Yeah. A person with bad breath meeting a physician said, My master, look whether my tonsils have not fallen down. And the physician, turning away, said, your tonsils are not gone down by any means, but your guts are coming up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good.
0: That's not bad, is it? It's getting better. A person with bad breath continually looking up to heaven prayed a great deal. Zeus, looking askance, said, do me one favour, you have gods down there too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's not bad, we're getting a bit better. Yeah, these are slowly picking up turns out bad breath is where Roman humour really shines through.
0: <laughs> uh, and unfortunately, that's as good as it gets. There isn't oh. a chapter of your mum jokes, unfortunately. <laughs> that's kind of the standard we're working at here, isn't it? Jesus. Your mum's so fat. Oh, actually, I missed... Oh, yeah, I'll missed. i finish on a good one, Sam. This is okay, a bit of a classic. On. This was number three. This was one of the early ones. Oh, wow. A certain physician coming to a pedant who was a physician said, Doctor, when I awake from sleep, I have dizziness for half an hour and then I recover. The physician replied, Get up after half an hour, then. <laughs> oh, hey. hey
1: it's a, a doctor, doctor joke. It's not a good one, is it?
0: Let's give you some shit ones. Or shitter Re- ones. Really?
1: Let's give you some shitter ones. Uh, what have I done to offend you, Tom? <laughs> Why? Have...
0: <laughs> a pedant was looking for his book for many days but could not find it. By chance, as he was eating lettuces and turned a certain corner, he saw the book lying there. Later, meeting a friend who was lamenting the loss of his girdle, he said, do not worry, but buy some lettuces and eat them at the corner. When you turn it and go a little ways, you will find it. Cracking. Yeah. That's a goodie, isn't it? I've, I've gone for a lot here, Sam, so that you can cut out as many as you like. So well, this, this is going to be a very short be... section for you. Then.
1: <laughs> two <laughs> jokes three... about bad breath and we're done. <laughs> three minutes. Um, wow, apparently... Tom, I can't believe that your section lasted only two Minutes and 35 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) A
0: pedant was tying on some new sandals. When they squeaked, he paused and said, Do not squeak or you you will injure your two legs. (laughs) 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 Let me read that one out again because that's so good. (laughs) A pedant was tying on some new sandals. When they squeaked, he paused and said, Do not squeak or you will injure your two legs. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I don't know why Why is that fun? That one is funny but I don't know why Because
2: it's shit, it just doesn't make any
1: sense <laughs> I mean life in the Roman Empire must have been really shit If people were rolling around in the aisles for this Bear in mind, I mean you said that two manuscripts of this had survived Which means that at some point someone's found this funny enough To keep it, <laughs> to keep it stored away and not use it as bog roll In fact this has happened not only once but twice Maybe the monks were doing it as some form of self-flagellation reciting these
0: jokes over and over again after they thought about a lady's boobies just as a sort of punishment
1: speaking of monks having a sense of humor and self-flagellation there's another practical joke which i was going to mention and didn't which is in the 1400s and a monk called thomas Betson found a slightly rotten apple and found a beetle and hid the beetle in the rotten apple and put it kind of like so the whole side was down and then summoned the other monks and said behold this apple is possessed by a demon. And it was like rocking backwards and forwards because there (laughs) was a beetle in it. (laughs) And so they did an exorcism on the
0: apple. (laughs) Nice. A pedant taking the character of a gladiator was playing before the house. Suddenly someone announced to him that his father was close by. He threw aside his weapon and undid his leggings. But his father arriving and standing by him, he opened a book and began to read, still having the helmet on. I think the joke there is he forgot to take his helmet off. Which is just cracking isn't it really funny
1: i mean to be fair that's still used as a visual gag in like every sitcom ever when someone yes. comes in when someone comes in and someone's doing something they shouldn't they kind of slide it away but they've still got i don't know a little bit of semen around the corner of their mouth whatever <laughs> we, we watch different sitcoms yes
0: yes uh, here's a nice little edwardian translator's note the joke is a trifle obscure there we
1: go
0: <laughs> oh. oh good how many people have, uh, have have tuned out so far all of them
2: <laughs> just all of them.
0: <laughs> Everyone's gone. They've all gone. We've never had such a thing happen. Oh well I think this might be the last one, Sam. Oh, thank Although fuck. I suspect you have long. when will this end? <laughs> An envious fellow seeing his neighbour fighting with a wild beast said to the guide, I wage you on the bear.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's not really a joke, it's just kind of cruel I hope my neighbour gets killed, isn't it?
0: <laughs> By the bear. Yeah. Yeah. The translators put in here, the text is hopelessly corrupt. I cannot understand why the guide should be standing idly by if the bear was overcoming his opponent. <laughs> so even the Edwardian translator of this is struggling hopelessly to try and find any humour in it. And I'd just like to point out, let me, let me try and find how many jokes exactly were, on, were in here. Oh, it, was some, it was well in the 200s. And um, the ones that I just read out were the best. Wow. There are about 240 jokes in here, and I've read out the best ones. So, Sam, there you go.
1: Fucking hell. So,
0: I think it was uh, the famous Edward Gibbon who said that if he could choose a time to live, it would have been in the first century Roman Empire. Well, he obviously had no sense of humour, because there really wasn't much (laughs) going on.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That was the stand-up, comedy. I mean, you're talking about a time when hilarity ensued from... Throwing persecuted religious minorities to lions
0: <laughs>
1: yeah that's true well, actually that was that was later, but still throwing slaves to lions whatever uh, humor was different different times <laughs> yeah yeah, but at
0: the same time th- th- there's a trend y- you can see some similarities in these jokes
1: you can the same things have clearly been found funny for many 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 years
0: like people with bad breath and ethnic minorities <laughs>
1: yeah for example.
0: I mean all the pedant jokes are basically Irishman jokes, aren't they?
1: Yes. And every, yeah, every pretty culture much.
0: every culture has its Irishman jokes.
1: Yes, everyone has a, a minority who they think of have think think, of think yes, think are stupid.
0: Yeah, and so they they've always the butt of the jokes are being done. For example, um an Englishman, an Irishman, a Scotsman walk into a magical cave and they find a big slide and there's a sign saying
1: This is my favourite joke from school
0: (laughs) Who fall down this slide Shall land In whatever they desire So long as they shout out what they desire On the way down the slide And so the Englishman climbs to the hop And says oh this is going to be great I bet this won't work And he goes down the slide And as he's going down the slide He shouts gold And lo and behold he lands in a pit of gold and he thinks, Christ, it did work.
1: Oh, I have now broken my coccyx. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. The second uh, uh, Scotsman goes up and goes, well, I'm going to have a go at this. And he slides down and he shouts, diamonds!
1: Ooh. And he
0: lands in a pool of diamonds. I know, that would hurt, wouldn't it?
1: It's like standing on upturned Lego. Yeah, yeah.
0: The Irishman, who wasn't really paying attention, goes to the top and just thinks, oh, I
1: like slides.
0: And he slides down and he goes, "Whee!" <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you that, have it. growing up in the 80s that was my favorite joke at school
0: classic primary school joke Yep. well i think absolutely. i should hand over the reins to you sam but i mean i don't know how you're gonna follow that
1: to be honest oh well i'm gonna to have to wake myself up first that was quite a warm-up act really wasn't it that was c- quite the opener yes
0: <laughs> we're at 52 minutes in the recording so hopefully you can get a good 20 minutes and rid of that
1: <laughs> I
2: think I can.
1: <laughs> Incidentally, audience, Tom will be going live at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year with <laughs> with his with his tour. The old ones are the best. The oldest a collection ones of his, are the best. Yes, a collection of yes, that was the joke. A collection of historical humour. Beautiful jokes from the Roman Empire. Oh God. Well, Tom. In contrast to yours, I have found an absolute doozy today. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about a practical joke so audacious it caused a national scandal and also caused London to grind to a halt for a day, as well as causing a lot of annoyance to pretty much everyone at the same time. Sounds good. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's brilliant. But first, I do have a couple of honourable mentions. As you can tell already by my interruptions, I've had a really good week for research. Firstly, honourable mention goes to the Roman Emperor Elagabalus. Elagabalus? Is he a
0: very late one?
1: No, no, not at all. He uh, came to power in 218 AD. Oh, So kind of a mid- middling, a middle-aged Roman. Like all Roman emperors, he was a measured sort of a chap. A lot of the Roman emperors weren't very measured. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they weren't. That's part of the joke.
0: Um, oh, right, I see, I see. Sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I've been, my head's been in this document for
1: so long. I've lost my sense of humour. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So he was only 14 when he took the throne in 218 AD, and he liked to play fun practical jokes. On one occasion, drowned a load of people under rose petals. Right. Uh, also, hi- liked to hire himself out as a prostitute for a joke. What?
2: What? <laughs> yeah. You <Who> too.
1: <laughs> anyone literally anyone who would pay him he would sneak out and pretend to be a common prostitute well, to, to drunk brits yeah on a stag do what he'd ride his chariot out to amsterdam <laughs> they go haha ha. Oh, the laugh's not really
0: on me is it the laugh's on you because <laughs> no. you're the one that's hey, just hey me off. <laughs>
1: i'm a roman
2: emperor Turns <laughs> i'm the roman emperor <laughs> and i just sucked you off uh, you <laughs> just bummed me but i'm a roman emperor <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Last
0: laughs on you, just like all the
2: seamen. It's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> a See what You never you never guess who told me this one. This uh, it was a chap who wrote Philagrellus or whatever it's called. <laughs> The funny thing is, you've just given me two Sisterci to suck you off. And now I've got two Sisterci. I don't need it. That's my face on it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's you on my face. (laughs) You know what's even funnier? I usually charge one Sisterci. (laughs) Overcharged.
1: (laughs) Yes. Anyway, in a lighter moment when he wasn't literally whoring himself out, he invented the whoopee cushion, Tom. (laughs) Did he? Yeah, he did. He uh, had some guests round for dinner one night, and he had them all sit on inflated leather bags. Which, at inopportune right. moments during the evening, he had his <laughs> slaves come out and pull the plugs out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> which is actually pretty funny. Sounds very much like
0: <laughs> spoiled fourteen-year-old brat who hasn't grown up, but has been—he's the emperor, so nobody's telling him off. For Very reason, much like- so.
1: Yeah. Well, they didn't. They didn't tell him off, but they did kill him after four years. He was assassinated in two 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 A.D. Uh, age eighteen. So he clearly pissed enough people off. <laughs> the whoopee cushion was funny the first time. <laughs> By the, by the 50th time, he's like, no, Brutus, you sit on, sit on the sit on the cushion. Oh, please, Emperor, I don't want to. We've done this five <laughs> times already tonight. No, he, no, he's sit black. on the cushion. Sit on the cushion. It's really, really funny. <laughs> it's very comfortable. You'll like it. Sit on the cushion. I am the Emperor, and I am telling you to sit on the cushion.
2: <laughs> guys, guys, <laughs> don't pull out the plug. Go on, do it now. <laughs> What that Brutus? You don't find it funny? Do you not find me funny, Brutus?
1: Yes, Emperor. Yes, Emperor. I find you. Ha 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 ha! Very, very funny. Could I go home now? My, my, my wife's been wondering where I am for the last five days.
2: Oh, you think I'm funny, do you? You think your Emperor's funny? <laughs> You're, am, am I, I a like a to you? clown? <laughs> am I? Am I like a clown <laughs> to you, Rabbi? Do I look like a clown? <laughs> mm, well. I'm Do you not sure see I me like laughing? Mm. <laughs> Be very careful when you open your cupboards tonight, Brutus.
1: <laughs> so, my next normal mention is for, I think, genuinely one of the greatest biological warfare pranks of all time. Which is better than it sounds. It's not a fart in a can, Tom. It's a giant shit on the lawn. (laughs) giant shit on the lawn. (laughs) Yeah. In the late 1790s, not sure exactly when, an Oxford University geology student called William Buckland was experimenting with guano. Or bat shit. Anyone who's ever watched Ace Ventura: Pet Detective Two will uh, will know very much what guano is. Is that different uh, to guava? Guava is a fruit. Guano is bat shit. <laughs> it's what bats would eat, possibly. Don't eat guava. No, do eat guava. Don't do eat, eat guava. Guano. Don't eat guano. Don't eat guano. Yeah. Okay. Although actually, William Buckland did uh, he he is recorded as having eaten guano on several occasions. He uh, was very good at examining poo by eating it and telling you what it was. What it was from. Anyway, eventually...
0: Lucky lucky he wasn't part of the university rugby team. Because... <laughs> they would have nobody, had a whale of a time with it. Oh, but he was. <laughs> yeah.
1: So eventually, guano would come to be one of the, the greatest known natural fertilisers. It still is. And wars would literally be fought over the supply of this stuff. But right now, it was just being discovered by the Europeans. And so one night, having got hold of a big bag of the stuff... Buckland snuck out and painted the word guano in huge letters on Tom Quad, which is the big, immaculately, immaculately kept lawn in front of Oxford's Christchurch College. The next morning, the college staff very quickly noticed that someone had dumped a massive bag of shit on the lawn <laughs> and very quickly cleared away the poo. But even after just a few hours on the lawn, the fertiliser was so effective that for the next several years, the There's grass a where guano cup. had...
2: <laughs> <There's> <laughs> yeah, a massive where-
1: knob and balls. Well, yes, (laughs) pretty much. Missed opportunity. (laughs) Well, for the next few years, the word guano... Grew three times as fast as everything else on the lawn. <laughs> so, wow. so every couple of weeks, the word would visibly reappear in several foot-high letters on this lawn. And
2: the groundsman was like, Bloody, and the groundsman ground had to go and
1: re-snip Second the word. Time shit. Today, I had the lawn out. <laughs> yeah, to go and re-snip the word
2: batshit off the lawn. I've been shitting all over the fucking rest of the lawn for three yeah. weeks now to try and fertilise. It's still not fucking growing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, they did. They tried literally everything, including fertilising the rest of the lawn so it all grew quicker, but nothing was as efficient as guano. And they couldn't get hold of any more of it, so the only way they could have gotten rid of these giant letters would be to dig out a giant patch of the lawn and reseed it, which the groundskeeper couldn't bear to do. So for the next few years, a giant batshit on the lawn appeared every two weeks. (laughs) Nice. Which is a brilliant practical joke. (laughs) It did miss the opportunity of just doing a big cock and balls. He did. I'd like to think that being an educated man, he was slightly above that, but I suspect he wasn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> I suspect he was just out to prove the fertilising properties of the product guano, which actually, I mean, it worked.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, seems, it sounds like it worked very, very well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It would be like drawing baby bio in giant letters on a cricket pitch these days.
0: It reminded me, and I, I may have regaled everyone with this hilarious anecdote on a previous occasion. I must have been about 14 at school. And we helped, we were asked to help the local sort of charitable organisation to go and plant daffodils.
1: I haven't heard the stories on, but I think I know where it's going. (laughs) Exactly.
0: And um, me and some some of my friends were very enthusiastic about collecting up lots of daffodil bulbs to plant because we we positioned ourselves along the main road into my hometown in the UK and planted swear words in all the daffodils. (laughs) And it's a slow-burning joke, isn't it? Because you've got to wait for it spring for, it to, for for arse cheese to appear in the daffodils. Oh, but it's,
1: but it's so worth it. And you can only see it from the top deck of the bus. Which is where all the kids are, so clearly...
2: <laughs> <Arse> cheese! <laughs> so, yes, Excellent. great minds
1: think alike. Excellent. <laughs> see... Human never changes, does it? The same things are funny years later. Exactly. Bat Bad shit and breath. arse cheese. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so anyway, Tom, on to my main story for today. And genuinely, I think this is one of the favourite historical happenings I've ever talked about on this podcast. <laughs> it's, it's the Bernard Street hoax of November 26th, 1810. Have you ever heard of this, Tom? No, I haven't. This practical joke. It's very, very good. Now, for background, by 1810... London was the biggest and wealthiest city in Europe by quite some margin and probably up there among the biggest and wealthiest in the world, had a population of over a million and was the hub for trade and industry. You could buy or hire pretty much anything or anyone you liked. And this hoax involves someone who did hire anyone and anything. And a woman, an innocent victim ha ha, who very
2: surprise! much! <laughs> it's the Emperor! <laughs> it's me! I've just cleaned all your toilets! And guess what? <laughs> I'm the Emperor! Ha <laughs> ha! Oh, thanks for cleaning the toilets. That's nice of you. The laughs on you. Okay. <laughs> Cause I'm the Emperor, but I cleaned your toilet! It's funny! <laughs> I did it for free! Ha ha ha! How embarrassing for you. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what the
1: problem is? Audiences today, Tom, they just don't get (laughs) humour. So, uh, yes, anyway. So getting back to this story, this story involves someone who did hire anything and everything and a woman who very much did not. (laughs) So at 5am on the morning of the 26th of November, a Mrs Tottenham, or Mrs Tottingham, it's written in uh, different ways and different sources, was sat at home at 54 Berners Street in central London. She was a wealthy lady in a big house in a nice part of the city. And there was a knock on the door, Tom. No one was expected to be calling, so her maid was very surprised when she opened the door to see a chimney sweep. She hadn't called for one, and so she sent him away. (laughs) You were right back there. Do you oh, know where this is going?
0: <laughs> God, I, have a, I have a feeling I do know where it's going.
1: At 5.05, another knock on the door, Tom. It's, a, <laughs> it's another chimney sweep. And another, and another, and another. Once 12 chimney sweeps had turned up and been turned away... And started reciting chim- chimney. chimney. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Burnham Street, step in time! Burnham Street, stepping time. Step time! No need to reason, don't need a rhyme! Burnham Street, step in time! What is this? Why is my street outside my house turned into a Mary Poppins recital group? Chim yes. chimity, chim chiminy, chim chim cheroo! I've
1: got a dozen sweeps for you! <laughs> So once How the- many chimneys <laughs> do you have? None. Fuck off. <laughs> and the rest <laughs> of you. <clears throat> so once 12 chimney sweeps had turned up and been sent away, Tom... And danced back down the street, yeah. ...the merchants began to arrive. <laughs> right. Here's a quote from the London Annual Register. Wagons laden with coals from the Paddington's wharves arrived. Upholsterers' goods in cartloads organs, pianofortes, linen, jewellery, and every other description of furniture. Right. Now, Tom, none of this had been ordered, but every single person was turning up with a letter requesting their presence. <laughs> and there were more, Tom. and More and more and more tradesmen began to turn up at the door of this random woman. Quote, Six men bearing a church organ, wine porters with permits, barbers pardon? with their wigs... <laughs> and opticians with various articles of trade. Right? <laughs> Several cake makers turned up, Tom, each of whom had made a wedding cake. A <laughs> hundred bakers turned up with 500 just, raspberry tarts. This is sounded like a Disney film. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's very Fantasia. A load of doctors were called in, each to deal with a number of increasingly serious ailments. And as soon as one turned up and went, the next one arrived, followed by a priest to give the lady of the house her last rites, and after him, a funeral cortege with a made-to-measure coffin. (laughs) Weird. What? A dozen pianos were delivered. Portrait artists arrived, Tom. Dentists arrived. People turned up with live chickens and someone herded several cows up the road.
2: (laughs) Why has
0: this not been turned into a musical?
1: Well, that's a very good point, Tom, and we'll come to that later. But it really should be. be. It really should be,
2: yeah. Be my guest, uh, be my guest.
1: Bring your organs and your chests. I am very, very poorly and I need a portrait oily. (laughs) Bring <laughs> are ten you doctors. A pr- <laughs> Bring <ten> doctors.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and a wig for my otters who have just been delivered to me from my man in Normandy. And I have 60 cakes. Bring your <laughs> friends and their dates. We will have a lovely party all the night. No one of <laughs> you were invited, but come in, oh shite. <laughs> be my guest, be my guest, be my guest. Have you finished? I have. I thought that was rather good, considering I made it up on the spot.
0: It was beautiful.
1: It was beautiful. <laughs> so, after the tradesmen had all turned up, Tom, the great and good of London started to arrive. All called at the address to meet with the lady of the house at her request. And because it was a nice part of London, and therefore she was clearly a lady of means... All of the people who'd been invited turned up. The governor of the Bank of England arrived. That's a lot of cups <laughs> of tea, the poor little yeah, That's Nicholas a lot of cups of tea for the maid to make. Unfortunately, well, someone had just delivered five hundred China, <laughs> yeah, China cups ten and an ten entire clipper's worth of tea. Worth of tea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so not only the governor of the Bank of and England. had 16 the, slaves that she, she used <laughs> yeah, to do. It. Yeah. The Duke of York turned up, Tom. The Lord Mayor of London turned up. The Archbishop of Canterbury arrived at the door. What did, how could you persuade these people to turn up? Because she was a, a, a well-known lady of means and she'd sent a letter requesting their urgent attendance on a, on a matter of business. And because it was a nice part of London, all of these people kind of lived two or three doors up. They all would pop by. <laughs> and over. just thought, and thought they'd pop by. And so all of these people turned up and all of them were clamouring to get through the traffic of whoever all of these other people in the street were they're to all, get to their all appointment. All the saying, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. 17 pigs have just walked past. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. There was a huge, huge traffic jam and none of these people knew that the others had all arrived to get to the same house. So everyone was basically just, there was a huge fight trying to get to this poor woman's front door. In all... Almost every single tradesman in London had been called out by some stranger to 54 Burner Street. (laughs) Mrs Tottenham was absolutely terrified, understandably, and locked herself inside, as presumably was her maid. Everyone outside was furious, and (laughs) literally almost every cart, hackney carriage and professional in London was packed into one small street, and no one could move an inch. And obviously at this point, thousands of people came out to watch, which didn't help either. (laughs) <laughs> eventually the police had to be called in to cordon off almost all of central london
0: Meanwhile, according to london's the london's burglars were having a whale of a time all the police <laughs> well, no
1: because homeowners... they'd all been called they'd all been called to burners street on <laughs> the a tip the off burglar. that a lady was on holiday <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well yeah i imagine they probably probably did have With a the day their burglar bill outfits <laughs>
0: Black and white stripes, bags of swag.
1: <laughs> That's an eye-toothbrush, I'll have that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so according to the London Morning Post, quote, every officer that could be mustered was enlisted to disperse the people and they were placed at the corners of Burnish Street to prevent more tradespeople from advancing towards the house with goods. The street wasn't cleared until a late hour as servants of every denomination wanting places began to assemble at five o'clock. So it turns out that not only had they written letters to every tradesperson in London, they'd also put out job adverts saying oh, there was a brief. position going. <laughs> so after all of the tradespeople had piled in, all of the great and good of London, 500 unemployed people turned up wanting a job.
0: <laughs> Fought their way through the elephant's.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. The circus that had rocked up. The wedding takes, so, <laughs> Yeah. So, quote again, it turned out that letters had been written to the different tradespeople which stated recommendations from persons of quality, saying basically, please come to this house and deliver X, Y, Z to us. A reward has been offered for the apprehension of the author of this criminal hoax. <laughs> so... All of this had been carefully choreographed to make sure that different people turned up at different times through the day to cause maximum disruption and hilarity. <laughs> and when the police investigated, it turns out that someone had printed thousands of identical calling cards that just had blank spaces for the name, profession and goods that had been requested. They'd simply filled them in and sent them off around the city. Presumably at huge cost <laughs> in money and time to themselves to have all of these printed and delivered. Oh, but worth it. A lot of work. A lot of work for a prank on a Poor random woman. Where was this person observing it from? Because surely you'd have to observe it to enjoy it. Well, yes. The perpetrator who was eventually found, and we'll come on to that, was watching from a room across the road. (laughs) And no no one could work out who'd done it or why. The newspapers for the next few weeks were rocked by rumour and scandal about the hoax. There was apparently some political intrigue linking all of the dignitaries who turned up. There was some kind of fraud at the bank that various people had been involved in. And they'd showed up in the order in which things were unfolding at the bank. There was apparently some greater message spelt out from what had been ordered and who had turned up when, and there was some code to it all. The event even made it into skits in music halls and the penny gaffs, which obviously we've discussed in this podcast before. There were penny gaff performances about the Burner Street Hoax. And whilst all the newspapers were pretty quick to shake their heads and tut, tut, tut at this waste of time and money, they all obviously also found it incredibly funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, everyone was absolutely pissing themselves at this. But no one knew who'd done it. By 1812, though, so two years later, a name had sprung up and was circulating in the press. And that name was Theodore Hook, who was a young socialite, a writer of musicals, hence being turned into yeah, a musical, yeah. and a notorious prankster who had a habit of selecting his victims at random and knew all of the gossip and scandal of London. Years later, he never said anything about it at the time. He never commented and was never and was never charged with it. But in the 1830s, he eventually admitted that it had been him all along and he wrote about it in a semi-autobiographical novel he wrote called Gilbert Gurney. And he wrote in this, There's nothing like fun. What else made the effect in Berners Street? I am the man. I did it. I sent a Lord Mayor in state... I released impressed seamen. Philosophers and sages came to look at children with two heads apiece. Piano. He fought... released
0: his impressed semen?
1: <laughs> well, Tom, he did hire every every tradesman in London. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. Hello, <laughs> I'm your friendly neighbourhood. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on with
1: your quote, sorry. Piano fortes were delivered by the dozens and coal wagons by scores. 2,500 raspberry tarts from half a hundred pastry cooks, a squadron of surgeons, a battalion of physicians, a legion of apothecaries, lovers to see their sweethearts, ladies to find their lovers, upholsterers to furnish houses and architects to build them, gigs, dog carts and glass coaches, enough to convey half the freeholders of Middlesex into Brentford. Nay, I dispatched even royalty itself on an errand to a respectable widow whose concourse of visitors by my special invitation choked up the avenues of London and found employment for half the police of the metropolis. (laughs) So he loved it. (laughs) He, he, He had a brilliant time. In fact, what he'd done is he'd rented a room opposite the house and with a few friends enlisted to help him, he'd written 4,000 letters wow. in a week before the prank and then just spent the day getting horribly drunk and watching the chaos and giggling to himself. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I he <laughs> would. That would be incredibly entertaining. Yeah, I know, right? It would be but brilliant. But why had
1: he done it, Tom? Apart from just for fun, why had he done it? Why had he picked on this lady? Picked her at random. Absolutely at random. Bloody weird. I don't know, why did he do it? <laughs> Well, Tom, a week beforehand, he'd been walking down the street with a friend of his and he decided to make a bet. <laughs> and he pointed at 54 Berners Street and told his friend, I'll lay you a guinea that in one week that nice modest dwelling there shall be the most famous house in all of London. So it was literally just a drunken bet with a friend and he was as he was walking past. <laughs> and he hatched this master plan. This could easily be replicated, couldn't it? oh yeah well to be fair it wasn't the first time it had been done this was kind of on this scale it was absolutely unheard of but it was kind of a known form of petty revenge yeah if someone had ripped you off or annoyed you to send like 10 chimney sweeps round to their house in London at the time it was quite well documented that you know if you'd been ripped off by a quack doctor you'd send him 30 dentists <laughs> or something like this <laughs> but never before on this scale Never that, before that could, on this that scale. Could
0: escalate, couldn't it? Because then those 30 dentists get annoyed that they've been sent and they send 50 shoemakers back yeah. to the person.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> Who sent them. Before and you that- know it... <laughs> <laughs> It's just a pyramid scheme. That's how they kept the economy of London going at the time. Just this massive pyramid scheme.
2: <laughs> pyramid scheme of. of if I if revenge. I send two people
1: to, to annoy someone, and each of them sends four people to annoy someone, before long we'll all be millionaires. It's a GCSE maths question, isn't it? Yeah. So there we go, Tom. The whole thing was just a funny, funny practical joke by a bored socialite with nothing better to do. And I'm. It's fair to say he got his guinea back. It probably cost him several hundred pounds to arrange the prank <laughs> worth every penny but he won and that's the most important thing and I'm going to be honest I think that's probably one of the greatest practical jokes in history
0: that would be incredibly fun to watch though wouldn't it? oh wouldn't it just that would be hilarious <laughs> you, know, you know how funny it is when you play a little prank on someone and you're sitting watching and giggling and the the prank unfolds and I'm not talking silly pranks like pretending someone's child has just been murdered a fart machine or yeah yeah you know, Yeah, not like not like stupid prank, but a genuinely funny prank. That would be absolutely hilarious to watch that just unfold all day. (laughs) Oh
1: yeah, I mean to to have orchestrated it. Like you wouldn't have slept a wink the night before, would you? You've been like you'd have been pacing the room, going, "Come on, when's when's the first chimney sweep coming? Come on, (laughs) come (laughs) on, bring it home to daddy." I genuinely think I probably would have had a heart attack from laughing if I'd arranged that with watching it all day. I wouldn't have been able to
0: stop myself. Especially if it escalated. If it started off with with 12 chimney sweeps and ended up with 15 circuses. And it just slowly got sillier and sillier and sillier.
1: Ah, I love it. What a lad. What an absolute lad. I mean, poor Mrs. Tottenham, she didn't ask for any of this. She probably fainted and had to have bath salts waved in her face in that Victorian lady kind of way. But (laughs) bloody marvellous.
0: Very good. You've more than made up for my list of the worst jokes
1: of all time. (laughs) Well, we should probably think of something to talk about next week, shouldn't we? Oh, what if we had a listener mention something? (laughs) We had a listener? Fuck! Sound the alarm! Ling, 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 ling! It's happened, Tom. It's finally happened.
0: I got rid of her soon enough. <laughs> yeah,
1: she, it she didn't was hang around.
0: B. Danks, who uh, was listening to us in traffic and thought it was very
1: funny. Thank you so much for your kind notice, by the way.
0: Yes. Yeah, so your kind, she, no, your um, kind
1: notice, how Victorian of me. Your nice message.
0: Your nice message. <laughs> <laughs> okay, kind notice. She suggested religious fuck ups in history.
1: Yes, I like that. I reckon we should give it a couple of
0: weeks. I think it's a very good suggestion, but I was quite mean about religions last week. I think we should give that one a couple of weeks.
1: <laughs> let, let the dust <laughs> settle.
0: Yeah. Uh, what I thought... Fair Sam, enough. Fair I enough. I don't know what you think about this, but we've been going on about the Frenchies quite a lot recently. I think we should bring things back into balance and we could maybe do kick-ass Frenchies. Kick-ass Frenchies. Okay. top, top blokes. How do you say top blokes in a French accent? Are blokes uh, les... from France. <laughs> les grandes monsieur... Look, very good, très bien. More yes, less Monsieur Derrière, and more Monsieur
2: <laughs> le Capitaine. I don't even know what Capitaine means. <laughs> yes. um, le chef de French. <laughs> um,
1: what are we talking about? I think let's do Frenchmen. Uh, yeah, kick-ass Frenchies. Okay, sounds good. Awesome. Right, well, look forward to that next week. Thank you so much in the meantime for tuning in. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Half of this episode. Do check it out on social media. We are on Facebook, that was Genius Podcast, Twitter, that underscore was underscore genius, and Instagram, that was genius. You can also send us an email with nice or horrible words, um, (laughs) fun things you've eaten. I don't know, whatever you like. We've never had a horrible email from a listener. Uh, Don't take that as an invitation or a challenge. Exactly. Garbage. But you can email us. That was geniuscast at gmail.com. So it only leaves us to say good night, goodbye, and if the doorbell rings in the night. Uh, it wasn't me.
2: <laughs> Hello, I've come. Hello. <laughs> to uh, paint your ceilings. Whilst I do this, sit on my cushion. <laughs> by command of your uh, ceiling painter. Oh, 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 I let it slip by funny prank.
1: Right. (laughs) Say goodbye, Tom. See you later. Bye.